Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Keep Right On podcast. I'm Alex Dickin and as ever I'm joined by Brian Dick and today we are going to be discussing back-to-back Blues wins. Uh, a big win for Blues at Stoke at the weekend, a 2-1 win sealed by goals from Jay Stansfield and Janino Bakuna. Uh, a hard-fought victory it was in the end, Brian, but uh, can't believe we're sat here talking about two Blues wins on the spin. What is back-to-back win again? <laughs> Yeah, I know. Um, yeah, obviously the cup win was a cup win, different different side against different opponents. And the Stoke win, I, I just, I'll start off being a, a negative ninny, shall I, again. Um, the, the the result was fantastic, uh, probably better than I expected, well, certainly better than I expected. Was it a brilliant performance? There were, there were aspects of the performance that were good, but, you know, it's... It's kind of our job not to get too carried away with results and ignore performances. So that I think Mowbray said himself afterwards anyway, didn't he? That there's still plenty and plenty and plenty of work to do. That was my takeaway, uh, and I'm also massively relieved that uh, on a day when QPR won, uh, and and uh, that uh, Rotherham didn't end, end up winning in the end, did they? They they drew, but. On, on a day when other other teams down there weren't that blue sort of kept that kept that buffer and they've also really dragged other teams into into it if indeed they are in it now as well and you you're you can almost feel you can certainly see lower lower half mid table you know just one game away now isn't it yeah, I mean, there's only, I think, one point separating blues from in twentieth from Plymouth in fifteenth. So um, and also the top of the, the top half as well. I think he's only a, a few points away now with a couple of good results. You get back back up there. So it's a crazy league, but we know this about the championship. I think um, you know there's only ever really ten points separating twentieth and sixth. So um, and that is the case this season. So you know if Blues could stick a remarkable lot of results together, then you know maybe. But I think we'd all be happy at this point if Blues could just kind of get comfortably above the relegation zone and back into mid-table, where we all expected, I think, them to be in this season when it when it started. So, am I a miserable misanthrope? Or what What, what do you think about the Stoke performance? Obviously, the result was brilliant. We, we both agree on that. And it was also brilliant just to see, you know, those scenes at the away end again at the end of the match. That mm. is what going to football is all about, about for me. That is, you know, I get ting- just thinking about it now, I'm getting tingles and I went on social media on Sunday and and, and looked at as much video as I possibly could um just just to watch those scenes but performance wise you know with your with your in a cold light of day what what did you make of it how good was it 
I thought it was a really entertaining game. First half, first 65, 70 minutes before Stoke scored, I thought it was a very good championship game. Um, Stoke, I don't think anyone can say, didn't have the lion's share of possession. They had m many, many, many more shots. Um, I think both teams had five on target, though. So, again, it comes back to that argument between shots and shots on target. And, you know, is having 20-plus shots in a game a good thing if you're only getting five on target, then it's probably not. It's just that most of them are coming from from positions where you're probably not going to score from. Um, Tony Mowbray, I think, has been quite critical of the way Stoke have played in years gone by, but he was, you know, full of praise for them post-match saying it's the best, you know, a, a Stoke team he, he's seen playing in quite some time and, and credited Stephen Schumacher for that. Um, you know, it was very nervy in the final 20 minutes once that goal went in. Um, it's a poor goal for Blues to concede as well, wasn't it? Janine no, Bakunin's just got he's got to clear it. Uh, he didn't need to play around in his own corner. Um, mm -hmm. and then obviously the, the cross was scuffed from from Berger and Thompson's just nipped in behind behind Drame to score. Um but you know, credit to Mowbray, he made defensive changes, he's not a defensively minded manager, but he but he recognised the situation Blues are in and that they were gonna come under that onslaught and Kevin Long came on at centre-back and headed in, kicked things away as he does. Went to a back five for the final 15 minutes. Um, and it worked. Blues got the result. They probably could have scored a couple more goals, really, if they'd have used the positions they found themselves in, in the first half especially better. But um, I don't think anyone cared, really, how how Blues got over the line as long as they did. And, you know, a third, just a third went on the way away from home all season. Um, probably the most enjoyable from a, from a reporting perspective because... You know, it was so kind of uh, the atmosphere was electric. You know, Stoke had a little ticket offer, I think, that, that increased the attendance from a home point of view. And obviously, Blues always this season travelled in numbers. And uh, as you mentioned before, before you queued me up there, Brian, the, the rendition of Keep Right On at the end of the game was the best I've heard this season and probably one of the most emotional I've heard this season. So um, it was it was really, really good to see. Yeah, it was almost Eustonian, wasn't it? Just. Mm. Just needed Tony Mowbray at the front there, beating his chest, um, conduct, conducting it, which I don't suppose we'll ever see. But uh, yeah, it was fantastic. Also notable uh, for, was it one of the most egregious dives I've seen in a long time in the build-up to the Stoke goal? Was it Leris um, mm. threw himself to the floor when Sunic went near him? Um I'm not. I'm not saying that it, it it should the play should have been stopped and Blues awarded a free kick and Laris booked. Or, although you know, I suppose that is the logical conclusion of, of why I'm pointing it out. Mm. Um, but honestly, the gravitational problems that kid must have is just something else. Um, <laughs> it, it was just, I don't know, absolutely awful dive. But yeah, there we go. All all's right in the end. Cody Drame won't want to see that back again, will he? Mm. Um, just didn't see Thompson. Uh, so yeah, it was was a was a bad goal to to give away. Uh, something else that really struck me as well was two, certainly one goal that was outside the box. The, obviously, the, the Bakuna free kick, which was brilliant, was Stansfield just inside the box when he scored. And then I'm thinking about JJ's goal. Um, JJ's goal against Swansea. Blues are starting to score goals from outside the box, which is something. It's been an absolute bugbear of mine for years. They're, mm. they're just. Either, either they've not shot enough or they've, they've the quality's not been there enough. But, you know, those goals from outside the box are absolutely invaluable. So, yeah, that was, a, that was a, another thing that stood out for me. Yeah, maybe maybe that goes back to the point I was making earlier about, you know, shots versus shots on target. And I think now managers do value 
shots and those possession statistics much more. So I suppose if you're having more shots, you're obviously going to score more goals. And um, yeah, you know, but yeah, um, I'm not sure if Stansfield was outside the box. It was a very, very good finish. Yeah. Um, JJ had one actually in the first half that he leathered, and it hit. A, it was blocked, but that looked to be heading goalwards as well. Um, Sanderson's as well, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, Stans, um, Sanderson's was was really well saved by the uh, by the Stoke goalkeeper too. So so yeah, it's obviously something that that Mowbray's telling him to do. I think Rooney tried to try to tell him to that as well, kind of shoot on sight. So um, mm. so yeah, it's it's good to see them having more shots. Um, but yeah, crucially, um, more goals than Stoke. Yeah, indeed, absolutely, and and it was a Stoke team that was that was in form as well, wasn't it? So I, I probably should shut up and stop moaning about his performance. <laughs> Um, but it, it was a, it was a Stoke team that was on form, and Blues went there and won. So, uh, yeah, can, they can do it on a on a very windy after, Saturday afternoon in Stoke. Yeah. Um, moving on, Brian. Uh, I criticised Janino Bakuna a little bit for his part in the uh, in the Stoke goal, but his free kick was absolutely outrageous. And to be fair, when he was stood over that ball, I was very confident that it was going to at least work the goalkeeper because it was from that angle that he likes. He had one in the first half, which from the other side that he's not as effective from. But um, yeah, what a goal. You know, I, I saw the the replay shot from behind, behind Bakuna when he struck it. Um, and it's just absolutely inch perfect. No goalkeeper saving that. Um, speaking to, to Tony Mowbray about him afterwards, he was saying that he's uh, he's mad as a hatter. Um, <laughs> it's just about you know tickling his tummy and kind of telling him he's brilliant and getting the best out of him. And I think that 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 does sum up Bakuna, doesn't it? Um, yeah, it does. Yeah, you and I have spoken about Bakuna a lot, and you know privately, and and I think we're both a little bit frustrated in him when he does interviews um, because he's 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 not massively eloquent he certainly doesn't really want to expand on any of his answers he's a real introvert in his in his interviews where he comes mm. across as an introvert and yet just the way he plays football you and i both know he's a mass he's a really big personality isn't he you know there's there's a there's a proper b- bouncy you know excitable bloke in there and it'd just be lovely to see it see him bring it out in interviews uh, what what i loved of all the stuff i the celebrations and stuff i watched on 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 sunday um, Bakuna standing in front of the crowd, in, in front of the Blues fans with his arms out, and he milked it, didn't he, for about ten, <laughs> ten seconds? <laughs> you know, you've got to have some stones to just just stand there and just lap up that adoration. Um, but I, I thought that was brilliant, and I, I'm, I am an unashamed Bakuna fan, and yes, he's absolutely infuriating, and I, you know, I wish some of this he would, wouldn't do some of the stuff he does in the positions that he does it, and sometimes his final ball is just is maddening isn't it um but i think i like to go i like to, when i watch professional sport i like to watch people do stuff that i wasn't didn't expect or suddenly mm. couldn't dream of doing which in my case is quite a lot but you know I, bakuna is a player that that excites me and he infuriates me as well yes but moments like that and and the, you know there's a there's a power league drag back or double drag back or a, a nutmeg or something isn't there in, in every one of his matches and you just think how has he done or how has it how has he created that angle so a big bakuna fan yeah yeah it was it was a superb goal um another player who really stood out to me at stoke for, for different reasons and he stood out for me in, in most of i think in probably two of mowbray's three games um koji miyoshi uh, he's a player who's divided opinion a little bit at times this season, certainly divided managers. Johnny Eustis used him sparingly as a number 10 and then Wayne Rooney started him in some games and then towards the end of his tenure didn't play him at all. Um, Brian, firstly, 
Give me your take on Koji's season so far. Um, I think if, we, if we're taking it from the point of view of what he was when he arrived, he, he can, mm. obviously coming from from Antwerp, was it? Um, yeah. On off the back of a bad knee injury, if you'd have offered me what four goals and thirty appearances, I'd have definitely taken that and said, yeah, that that is that is a really good start in a new league. You know, for for somebody. You know, who's adapting physically was was always going to be a question mark. Um, sometimes I would say, oh, he could affect the games more. Um, but four goals is not a bad return. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm I know I know the recruitment staff were massively excited about getting Koji Miyoshi in the mm-hmm. summer. You know, they they thought he was going to be the real wild card signing, and maybe he's not quite that. But I'm encouraged. I would say. What about you? Yeah, I think he's been he's been quite good. Um, I really liked him as a ten in those early weeks of the season. But speaking to Mowbray in the last uh, week and a bit, he's um, pretty much pigeonholed him as a right winger now. And I know when I spoke to Koji over the summer for the first time, that's where he saw himself uh, as a right winger coming in onto his left foot. And uh, I mentioned it to you on this podcast, I think previously about the kind of similarities I saw between him and Patrick Roberts, who Mowbray had at Sunderland, and. Um, yeah, he he he's been he's been so effective in the last couple of games. Um, I think, you know, you know when you sit in front of a manager sometimes and they they kind of you ask them a question, they make you see something that you didn't see. Um, mm. In that, asked Mowbray about Koji Miyoshi before the before the Stoke game, and he basically he spoke about his qualities, but also said how great he is defensively. And you know, we don't associate Miyoshi with that at all, but he said how great he is at spotting, you know, at spotting. Um, Spotting passing lines and, and basically blocking passing lines, um, so he's, he's you know he's almost a perfect defensive right winger as well as you know someone who's who's very good going forward. Um, and he said he's got the opportunity to to make that spot his own. Um, and he said that twice in the last you know five days. So he's clearly very high on him. It was interesting how even when Blues were under the cosh at Stoke, you know, Miyoshi's is probably the first player of five foot six winger he's going to take off, but he didn't take him off. He left him on for the entire game. Could have stuck Oliver Burke out there and just, you know, used that kind of counter-attacking pace. Um, so it shows how high he is on Miyoshi. And um, it's it's good to see because he's a good player. He's probably not not so much by use because use has found a, found a role and a purpose for Miyoshi, but he was probably misused by Rooney a little bit in that he couldn't get the best out of him and couldn't find a way to make him thrive in his system. Um, so it's good to see a manager who's very much high on him and trying to get him, trying to get the best out of him and, and rate his abilities. Yeah, they, they, it's all about the system, isn't it? With someone like mm. Miyoshi and getting him the ball in the positions where he can excel, and you know the Rooney system just didn't function, did it? And it wasn't just Miyoshi that that you know um, lost his way because of that. Lots of players did, um, and he, yeah, you're right. He he did look good in in the Eustace system. Um, yeah, I'm. I think he's turning out to be quite a shrewd signing, and I'm really intrigued to see what Moby does with him because you know I know he's going to play him on the right wing coming on 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 his left foot um but I think he'll be playing at the top end of a Mowbray team that has a really stable platform and will be better at getting the ball to him in good positions as well so yeah I th- I could see I could quite easily see Miyoshi getting another three or four uh, mm-hmm. you know t- if he stays fit t- towards the end of the season so yeah it's 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 been decent is he on a three year contract uh, two years, and I'm told there's an option to extend two. that as well. So two plus right. one. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, effectively a three if it goes well. And as I said, coming in off an ACL into into a new league for the first time with his physical sort of dimensions, 
it's decent so far, isn't it? Yeah, very good. I mean, he's got four goals, four assists as well. So, yeah. like you say, Brian, if he gets, I mean, 15 goal contributions all in this season, that's very good, isn't it? Very good first season in England. Um, one of the players who is who is supposed to be uh, the supply line for players like Miyoshi, Sariki Dembele, Janine Bakuna, and Jay Stansfield is Andre Dazelle, who joined on loan from Queen's Park Rangers until the end of the season uh, before the Stoke game. Made his debut. It probably wasn't the uh, the debut he he wanted in that he didn't come on and spray the spray the passes about and he's expected. He was more um, flying into crunching challenges. Um, but what did you what what do you make of that signing, Brian? You think it's one where um, there's obviously going to be potential for it to become a permanent deal later down the line, given how much Mowbray clearly rates him. Uh, yeah, well, I was just trying to look at his contract situation. Is he got an? Is he up this summer, but with an there, option from QPR? Yeah, there there is an option to extend it. Um, yeah. Okay. Right. Okay. Um, I, I think it's good. He wasn't certainly wasn't a name that I was looking across the championship and thought, yes, we've definitely got to get him in, into the team. Mm. Uh, but if Mowbray's been following him for five years, he said, or something like that, didn't they? Trying mm. to try, trying to sign him all over the place. If, if, you know, without, without outsourcing my opinions, if he's good enough for Mowbray, I'll probably go. Yeah, he's, he, I, I'll buy that, and we'll, we'll give him a go. Good age. Um, always struck me what what little I knew of him was that he's someone who you know always spoken about with a prodigious amount of talent, and maybe not quite um, found the platform to to fulfil that that talent yet. Uh, but yeah, I, as you say, it's really difficult to tell, wasn't it? Did, did he actually? Touch the ball very often at Stoke. He got a few, I think. He got a few, just little, little sideways passes. Um, right. But like you say, I think there were two big tackles in there, weren't there? That were uh, especially one on was it was it my um, yeah. Stoke striker? I think that fans appreciated. Um, but yeah, speaking to Mowbray about him, he's he's kind of one that he sees as the uh, the deeper playmakers who's going to yeah. come in and take the ball from the centre backs and get it further forward to the players like Miyoshi, Dembele, Stansfield. Um, so yeah. It's an interesting one because if you, you look at it on the face of it and his numbers and things as we always look for because that's the only kind of thing we've got to judge that's right in front of our noses um and they they're not they're not exceptional numbers he doesn't score a lot of goals from midfield you know his his pass completion right whatever this season hasn't been absolutely outstanding but i suppose the type of passes that he'll make yeah. you know he'll make forward passes and that's the key thing that mowbray wants he wants his players to go forward quickly and be an attacking front-footed team um and he obviously sees someone like Gazelle coming in who could be someone who could immediately impact things and immediately get Birmingham City moving in that direction. Yeah, and if we sat here last week, didn't we, and, and commented about the way Christian Bielik was was playing that kind of role mm. and, and taking too long on the ball, too many touches, and then not passing forward. If Gazelle can, can do that, you know, and, and be half-turned when he receives the ball with, with an idea of where it's going, then... Absolutely, he fits into the machine, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, another one that a lot of fans were uh, were talking about on Saturday night was Jay Stansfield. Um, Mowbray dropped a little nugget in his uh, in his post match press conference when talking about that that Fulham loan recall that um, that is obviously still an ongoing thing. Um, that you know, if there's a number further down the line, uh, he'd hope that Blues could, you know, potentially make that happen because Stansfield loves it, loves it here so much. Um, it's probably not the answer we were expecting, uh, you know, when we were sitting there talking about Jay Stansfield. But I mean, imagine, Brian, imagine if they could, you know, pull that one off further down the line. 
Yeah, I think what we've come to expect is that anyone who who can walk and chew gum at the same time, in terms of being a striker, Blues tend to cling onto them like like a drowning man with a piece of driftwood, don't they? But with uh, you know, e- even saying the fr- say the phrase Jace Tansfield and permanent in the in the same in the same sentence, you know, is is it's it's a lot of fun. Um, Moby's talking about if there's a number. It's going to be a big number, isn't it? It's going to be a very big number, and you, you know, I think you're you're probably looking at you're looking at ten million, something like that. I think yeah, if we for Blues, you're definitely looking at record transfer territory. Oh, we? easily, yeah, yeah. So yeah, Blues is six six and a bit, so yeah. oh, way over, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And if Fulham Fulham are watching him score, what's he got nine so far this season? Nine, what, yeah watching him score all manner of goals in the championship, they're going to have a look at him before they sell him, aren't they, really? You know, mm. I'd, I'd, I'd be very surprised if they cash in on him in the summer. And if they do cash in, in on in on him in the summer, then there's going to be plenty of sharks swimming around that pool, isn't there? Mm. Yeah. But let us, let us dream, Brian. Let yeah, OK. Dream. All right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he, somebody, somebody likened him to Forcell, didn't they, on social media? And, mm. I, and I can see that. Yeah, obviously, you know, he... The, he's he's got sort of the, the fair haired looks of that that Fussell had, but I I think he kind of yeah I, I know what you mean with the mobility and and the, and the finishing um, and the sort of the, just that really clinical edge. You know, once once he worked the first touch, by the way, from from the uh, from Miyoshi's pass, the mm. first touch on Saturday. I don't know why people aren't speaking about that more because that was just a heavenly first touch the ball was slightly under his feet wasn't it mm. and, he, and he and with one really de- deft touch he gets it in front of him and, and he's running in on on uh, on goal and as soon as it's the ball's in front of him and, he, and he's got the goal in his sights you, you expect him to score those goals like the one against Plymouth don't you you know mm. you, it's a surprise when he misses now isn't it yeah he absolutely leathered it well didn't he um Superb yeah. finish. He's done that probably three or four times this season, where he's just been in front of goal and absolutely smashed it. You mentioned the uh, the Plymouth one as well, which is obviously his first goal. But he scores all types, doesn't he? I mean, the finish yeah. against Millwall, which is across the goalkeeper, the one on one against Preston, where he's gone near post. Um, he's just a brilliant finisher against Southampton, where he's whipped one into the far corner. Um, a super superb player. Who, to be fair, in my opinion, Mowbray in, in three matches has made him a little bit better. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and you know we can talk about whether he's a striker or not a striker. Moby doesn't quite play him as an out and out, albeit he's the furthest most forward. Um, but yeah, I, just a really good loan. So you know, as good a loan signing as as has been for some time for Blues. Yeah. Um, on the subject of transfers, um, obviously get a lot of questions each week, so we're going to try and round up some of the uh, some of the names. That are floating around. Um, Sam Gallagher, former Blues striker, has been linked with with the club. Uh, he's obviously at Blackburn Rovers now, and his future's up in the air there. He's, I think he's been linked with Ipswich Town as well. Um, Brian, just give us your uh, your take on that one. I got told no on that one uh, yesterday, um, so I'm you know I'm going to tr- trust that and and say I, that's not happening. It always struck me slightly odd. Um, not least from the fact that if Gallagher didn't have a great loan spell uh, when he first came to Blues, albeit that was in the the chaotic time that was Steve Cottrell's tenure. Um, but since then, he seems to have had a bit of axe to grind with Blues fans. You know, he's 
inevitably he'd score against Blues on the last day of the season for Blackburn, and then he'd go and celebrate in the fans with, in front of the Blues fans with cupped cupped ears and and or you know fingers to his lips or something like that. So just struck that that struck me as a as maybe someone saying, "Oh, Mowbray's had success with Gallagher at a previous club. Um, let's put two and two together and and stick him at Birmingham City." Mm. Um, but no, I don't don't expect that one. Uh, he has been linked with Ipswich, hasn't he? Um, as well. Now, if Ipswich want to have Gallagher and, and let Blues keep Stansfield, that's probably fine for me. Yeah. And me, uh, another striker who's been linked with Blues is uh, Notts County's McCauley Longstaff. He scored a hell of a lot of goals. Uh, 20 and 27 in League Two this season, 42 and 47 in the National League last year, and they got promoted. Um, Again, like you, I, I was told that this one's this one's a non-starter as well. Um, so, um, so yeah, he's he's not somebody apparently at the moment who's on Blues radar. Um, one one who we believe is is Alex Pritchard, um, the Sunderland number ten winger uh, forward, one of those players that Tony Mowbray really likes. Uh, he obviously had him there at Sunderland for the for last season, played him quite a lot, um, got a good return num- numbers wise out of him. Um, a very good player at championship level, and we're told that he is uh, on a long list of targets that, of players that Blues would be interested in in the summer potentially because he's a free agent. Yeah, uh, interesting one for me. I, I'd had rather lazily had this um, preconception of Pritchard as someone who was a little bit flaky with fitness issues. Um, you know, who was probably flashed once in one in every five games. Um, looking at it more closely now. He's played 111 games in two two and a bit seasons at Sunderland, so I think we can we can t- tick off the uh, the fitness issues. He's he's clearly you know playing with a good degree of consistency, and as you say, his goals return has been has been good. Um, he's 30. He's up at the end of the season. Uh, the talk is that potentially in, Sunderland won't offer him another contract. But it seems that they're they're playing hardball as well a little bit about about Pritchard. Don't necessarily want to send him to Blues. Thirty year old free signings. Uh, we've kind of been there and done that over 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 several seasons. And I, I sit back and remember um, something Craig Gardner said in in an open house, which was uh, when you know we're done paying for expensive thirty somethings on, on as as free signings. Unless they can add some value now, Pritchard for two years on the right deal in the summer might, you know, maybe something you'll look at particularly if he if Mowbray feels that he's someone he can get a tune out of, as he clearly can and did at Sunderland, didn't he? Mm. Yeah, definitely. I think he got four goals, seven assists last season. Um, again, they're decent numbers, aren't they? Um, I yeah. think he started maybe thirty in the game, so he didn't play all the games, but he was very a big pick for Mowbray a lot of time up front with the likes of Jack Clark. Patrick Roberts, Diallo, Joe Gelhart, I think that alone from Leeds as well. So um had a lot of those kind of small, diminutive attackers, um, attacking types. And um yeah, Pritchard was one of them. So uh, I think Mobrook Mobra actually spoke about some of them at the start of the season and obviously the, the the huge quality they had in terms of young players um and the sheer number of them. Um but he you know he did mention that he might like a bit more experience and obviously, you know. Blues have got young players. They've got players who are, you know, early 20s as well. You are going to need experienced players to go in amongst them, aren't you? Players who've been there in the Championship and done it before. And and Pritchard, you know, having done well in this level for, for Norwich, uh, 
got a big move to Huddersfield as well, played at this level, got to the playoffs. So Sunderland, he's a he's a player who does tick that box, you know, the experience box as a player who's done well. So so yeah, like you said earlier, if Mowbray wants him, then I can get on board, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And Tony we trust absolutely. Um yeah. <laughs> Listen, I think the prospect of Pritchard pulling strings for players like Dembele and Stansfield and Miyoshi and Keshi Anderson, you know, maybe even his old Brentford teammate, um, Scott Hogan as well. You, you, you can see that, can't you, to be fair? Mm. Uh, just, just, just looking at the positions he's played this season. There's been three sort of as a number, quite advanced number nine. Uh, mm. Three three starts in the centre and mid. A couple of starts in in the uh, you know as a sort of a, an eight stroke ten attacking attacking central midfielder. He's played off the right a couple of times as well. So if you're looking for flexibility and technical ability, then I suppose he does does tick some boxes. Um, yeah, I wonder if Sunderland, as I say, Sunderland have much interest in sending someone who's playing on loan to Blues. I'm not convinced that they do, but yeah, a nice technical player for Blues to, to, to be looking at. Feels like one that's probably got more legs in the summer um, for me than, than yeah, now. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. Um, moving on, uh, there's obviously a lot of big earners. We've spoken about this at length on previous podcasts. Players, the Blues... Uh, will potentially be able to, to release in the summer when their contracts expire, but, you know, probably difficult to get rid of them now. Um, I think we're going to come on to them in a bit, so I don't want to um, kill it all in one go. Um, I do want to talk a little bit about the the loan situation. Blues have obviously now got five loanees. Uh, the rule, Brian, as far as I'm aware, is that you can name five loanees in the squad, can't you? It's when you've got more that you've got to kind of start leaving players out here and there. Yeah, five in a match day yeah. squad, that's right. So, yeah, yeah. Um, it would seem logical now that if Blues get any more in, they'll potentially have to get one out because otherwise you're paying some paying one of your loanies to be on the bench, aren't you? Uh, yeah. and, and and then the you know, the clubs doing the loaning get a little bit sensitive around that as well. Uh, you know, they want minutes for their players. So um yeah, that that you you're right. Five five per match day squad. Um and Blues have five now. They they are obviously Drame, uh, Emmanuel Ivu, Stansfield, Oliver Burke, and Andre Dizel. Mm. You know we we're not massive fans of Burke or Ivu, are we? Um, but I suppose if they go out, then that they, they you know they will need replacing. Um, so yeah, that's where we are with the loans. Mm. Uh, on to the takes. We've got a couple of good takes this week. Um, firstly, from Mark, Bielik looks much better at centre-back. Lucky to win at the weekend, but hopefully the confidence belief is starting to come back. The way we hung on suggests they're still a bit low, but the win will do them the world of good. Um, on Bielik first, Brian, it was a quite a decent performance considering you know playing his first couple of games at centre-back in, I think, three years, he told me after the game. Yeah. Yeah, I'm happy with Bielik at centre back as long as Blues have got the ball. Um, that it's when they haven't got the ball uh, and and you know they've got runners in behind or you know there's a there's a header to be won or a block to be made in the six yard box. Then I start to wonder is is Bielik assertive enough? Is you know is is he that dominant type of personality? Uh, you know, or, or or physically strong enough to. To throw himself um, in, in front of a ball or stick his head where there's a boot or, or, or something like that. That said, uh, he's played football 
having had his front teeth kicked out a couple of days earlier and i never have so um possibly i shouldn't shouldn't question me on, on that point um but yeah it's it's been it's been it's been good it's been okay hasn't it you know you it, you're certainly not dim- dismissing it out of hand after two games are you yeah, aside from that mistake against Hull, which led to their goal, I think he's actually been quite good. Uh, I thought he stepped onto the ball really well in the second half against Hull, uh, carried that into the game at Stoke. You know, we, we know what Bielik is. You know, aerially he's very strong, probably the best header of ball in the Blues team, in my opinion, uh, when Kevin Long's not on the field. That's going to say Kevin Long, sure. Yeah. Uh, or or Duke. Yeah. yeah, yeah, potentially. But again, two players who aren't on the field that often are yeah, at the moment. Um, that's fair, yeah. Belix, I think it, it helps him when he plays at centre-back in that on the ball, you know, we know Mowbray wasn't particularly pleased with kind of how long he was taking to get his head up when he was in midfield and how how long he was, you know, taking to pass forwards and often he was yeah. having to go backwards. So when he's at the back and he's got all the play in front of him, he can see these options early. And a lot of the time at the back, he's not under a great deal of pressure in possession, is he? Whereas in midfield, you know, you've got a man or normally two men running straight at you, trying to press you. Um there are a couple of incidents against Stoke where I was actually really impressed. One of which was uh, he ran onto a ball on the back line on the right side. Um, and instead of just playing the ball across to, to Cody Dramain, he split two Stoke players who were pressing him and found Jordan James in midfield and allowed him to turn straight away and play forwards. Uh, I thought that was really good and not the sort of pass that you've seen many centre-backs make. Probably shows the benefit of having a centre-back, a, a central, central midfield player playing at centre-back. Um, I thought he worked quite well at Stoke, to be honest. I don't think he was found wanting. Um, so, yeah, I think it's something we're going to see more going forward. We spoke about Mowbray when he was at Sunderland, finding auxiliary centre-backs. Mm. Um, and Bielik, I think he's probably found one again in that he can play, you know, between Dion Sanderson and Lee Buchanan. And he's probably got that security outside of him in terms of they're quite, both quite quick players and, and solid defensively. Um so it just suits him, I think, being able to sit in there and dictate the play from the back. Yeah, yeah. Um, as I said, I'm, you know, I've not, not seen anything in the last couple of games that, that scares me rigid, and you'd say not for me. So, yeah. Uh, Chris Woods moved um, uh, offered us this take. The cup games have aligned perfectly for Tony Mowbray. Getting to make seven changes at home to Hull's second team allowed the chance to rest, rotate, and also uh, chase a win with the subs to lift spirits. Uh, he now gets a free hit away at the top of the league, a different t- kind of test um, to see how the team can cope at, at, uh, at Leicester. So are you on board with that? Is 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 Leicester pretty much a free hit? Yeah, Tony Mowbray said that himself, actually, after the uh, the right, Stoke okay. game. He said it's almost a sh- almost shot to nothing. Yeah. Um, they'll obviously go there and try and win, probably expecting to, a similar game to Stoke, really, and they're going to have you know less possession, less shots, um, so yeah, it's it's one of them, isn't it? I think they they can go there and and try and spring a surprise. I'm interested on in team selection because he obviously went much weaker in the last round against uh, against Hull. But do you go a little bit stronger because you haven't got a game mm-hmm. for another week? And I mean, don't, don't get me wrong, Blues aren't going to win the FA Cup, but it'd be nice to get to the fifth round and you know get a decent tight St Andrews. I wonder if Wigan fans were saying that when they were in the fourth round all those years ago. Well, too fair, they were a Premier League club at the time, weren't they? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I uh, do. They go. Uh, I think while there are combinations being worked on, uh, yeah, I, I think they probably should go go strong. Uh, maybe Etheridge in in goal for 
for Ruddy. Um, you wouldn't be risking a comeback for Ethan Laird or or, or anyone like that. Would, mm. would you? You might want to get some minutes into into Tyler Roberts. Um, but I, I think in terms of the shape of the team, the, the the shape of the team will probably remain the same. Um, I wouldn't fancy him, you know, sticking out an experimental side. No. Um, just, just trying to think what Leicester did in in the pre in the previous round. I th- they did play some of their younger players, so they didn't mm. go strong. They did they didn't go strong strong, um, but obviously some of their fringe players is, can probably still be internationals virtually. So, um, yeah, I'd, I'd like to blue. I'd like Blues to put out a, a decent strong side and 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 have a go for it. You know, with mostly first team players. Yeah, no, it, it would be good to see. Um, moving on to the questions, one specifically for you here, Brian. Uh, Liam here says. Where would Blues have been sat in the table if they hadn't brought in Wayne Rooney? Why is that specifically for me? I just think you'd give a better answer than I would. Okay. <laughs> right, okay. Well, I mean, I have done a little bit of maths. Um, so, if we take the um, the Rooney games out of it, uh, so we've got eleven games with um, uh, with with Eustace and two league games um, with Mowbray. Um, Eustace uh, had uh, 18 points. Mowbray's got four, so that's 22. So that's 30, 22 points from 13 games. Well, breaks down at about 1.69 per game. So, so let's say 1.7 points per game. Uh, if you times that by 28, I'm getting there, I promise, uh, which is what most teams have played now, that puts Blues on 47 points and in fifth place, which is where they were when... Which is where they were when John Eustace played his last, won his last game. So I don't know. That's that's probably a, a kind of a simplistic answer, Liam. Um, but just in the spirit of the of, of of the question, if Blues had sacked John Eustace and appointed Tony Mowbray, I think I'd have gone. Yeah, that's really harsh, but okay. <laughs> um, if the, sacking Eustace and going to Rooney and going to Mowbray, you go, oh, that, you know, we we all know what what we felt about that. That, that didn't work. Um, had Blues stayed with John Eustace, I think there's a chance he'd have kept them in a similar position as well. If I'm honest, you know, it, it, he's not got the experience as a manager of, of Mowbray, but I understood what he was trying to do, and I, I like the identity of the team, and you could see. You know, they, they were, if nothing else, they were competitive, weren't they? So, um, yeah, I think I think they'd be about where Eustace had them. What about you? No, I mean, I, I love the working out there, Brian. Um, I'm just looking <laughs> at... So, I mean, I think they'd probably have tailed off a little bit under Eustace still. I think they'd probably have, you know, places like Middlesbrough, Southampton, Sunderland, um, you know, yeah, they're hard, the, hard games, aren't they? I think the, they'd have lost a few. The runner games um, that, Mo, that Rooney came into were yeah. hard, weren't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, you look at games like Sheffield Wednesday; they probably have won that under Eustace. Blackburn Robert. away, I think they'd probably have been a bit more sensible there and maybe got something more because I don't think Blackburn are particularly a good team. Um, Rotherham, yeah, Coventry away, they'd probably have competed better. Um, yeah, because Coventry weren't in, in great nick at the time, where I think they were just kind of starting to pick up a little bit, and they're flying again now. But mm-hmm. Plymouth away, they they definitely have held on to a three-one lead under use, in my opinion. Um, 
yeah, so I don't know. I don't know. Uh, if you saw Mowbray had been in charge for the until now, God knows it, you know, take Rooney out of the equation. I'm sure Blues would be in a better position, but I'm not sure they'd be fifth or sixth. They might be about tenth. I've done the stats. I'm, uh, the answer is fifth, Alex. You don't know very much. <laughs> <laughs> right, let's end that one there. Um, <laughs> thanks for the question, Liam. Uh, moving on to Rob Loveridge. Uh, thoughts on Keshi Anderson's role? Tony Mowbray seems to like Bakuna and he's delivering goals and assists. With Roberts being a preferred option from the bench, Keshi isn't getting much of a look in. Um, on Bakuna's goals and assists, that's seven goals, five assists now. That's, that is very a very impressive return. Um, mm. I don't think any Blues player has got more goal contributions in all competitions than that. I think Stansfield's got 11. Um, so, yeah, very good return. Brian Keshi Anderson, he's a player we both, um, you know, Right, quite highly at the start of the season, but you know he's not had a look in, has he? Since uh, no. Mowbray's coming, no, I, I liked him when uh, when he was playing under Eustace. Um, I like the fact he won a contract. You know, he came mm. came on trial effectively and and, and had a brilliant preseason and, and won a contract. And what I liked about him was he he's always struck me as as a really intelligent player. He, mm. he knew what he was going to do. I've said this a lot before about him. He he knew what he was going to do before he received the ball, and um, you know, he always looked dangerous. What I would say is he probably should have had three or four goals, but in 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 that run of games he was playing, um, I could actually see Akeshi Anderson thriving in, in, under Mowbray. You know, get being being found in in the right kind of positions. Um, I'd be surprised if he doesn't get a few games under under Tony Mowbray. You? I think he'll get a chance. I mean, the problem he's got now is that. Bakuna started to take his chance a little bit. And I think Bakuna is the one whose position was up for grabs. Um, I think Stansfield, Dembele and Miyoshi are pretty much set in stone under mm. Mowbray. Mm. Um, so Bakuna is the one I thought I think was probably most at risk. And um, Keshi Anderson would be a good, you know, a good 10, a good second striker. I think he can play that position quite well. Um, also, he's got the, another problem Keshi Anderson's got is, is uh, as Rob mentioned, um, is that Tyler Roberts is is getting a, a very good looking now. And Tyler Roberts is looking quite strong as well. George Hall potentially coming back in the next month or so. Um, I think Mowbray is going to really like working with him. So there are options. You know, if Blues Blues could potentially sign another forward player. You know, before the end of the transfer window, and there again, there's going to be another option there. So um, Anderson's going to have a lot of competition for a place in in Mowbray's team. I think. Whereas. Under Rooney previously, if he was playing a four three three, I actually think Anderson would, would be one of the best fits for a for a number eight midfield position. Mm. Um, but Mowbray's not playing that way. He's got two number sixes, and uh, I think again, I think they're going to be probably set in stone in a couple of weeks. I think it'll be Dazel and, and Jordan James, if provided Jordan James is still here. Yeah, yeah, and and Mowbray's going to every every manager wants players with. That you can rely on not to be injured, and obviously, and mm. Anderson took a step back with his injury, didn't he? That set him back, uh, and then he had a you know very disrupted season last season as well. So maybe that will count against him, unfortunately. But I do think I do think he's a, a good player. Mm. And me, um, Adam James. This is a good question. Do you think Mowbray has a settled start eleven now? What positions players are still up for debate? Um, yes. Do you want to run through it, Brian? No, yeah, let's 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 run yeah. through it. So goalkeeper's not up for debate, is it? No, it's definitely not. Um centre right backs. Back. Oh, right Sorry. back. If we if we go first and right back, Cody Drame is he's gonna have a hell of a battle with Ethan Laird once he's fit. I think um 
that's yeah, that's that's a that's a good one. Um Blues, in my opinion, have got three absolutely outstanding fullbacks and warning Manny Langello is still learning learning that trade. Uh, but again, very talented player. So um yeah, there's there's gonna be a battle for I think for the right back and left back berths in a in a Tony Mowbray back four. Um Laird a, for me. A battle for the battle for the left back berth. Well, yeah, because I th- I think Drame's proved he can play at left back as well. Uh, so okay. right. so <laughs> if you know if Buchanan's form dips a little bit, um and Mowbray did make a comment about, you know, not about Buchanan, but about uh, his style of football. He said the other week about um, when he sees the left-back get the ball, he wants him to run into the 50 yards of space rather than turn and play back. And, you know, Buchanan's not the most attacking-minded attacking, le- attacking minded left-back in the world, is he? Um, so if Cody Drummond can, you know, can, can't play a right-back, then he's, he's at least got the the bonus of being able to play at left-back and, and providing some competition there. Um, but, yeah. Laird, for me, I think he could be a game-changer. I mentioned before about how much I loved watching Niall Huggins when when Tony Mowbray was Sunderland manager, and I think Laird could do something similar. Probably coming into midfield a little bit on occasions and also, you know, giving that high, right-wide um, option. So, um, so yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing Laird. I think Laird will probably edge it eventually, if he stays fit, and that is the big if. Uh, so yeah, so we got then you're onto the centre backs. Sanderson seems set in stone, doesn't he? Um, is Bielik pretend? We talked about him a little bit. Is he potentially setting himself into stone? He might be, mightn't he? Yeah, I think so. Particularly if Mowbray wants his centre centre backs playing forward, uh, and and then you come into midfield. Which of those roles would you would you say? Because there's plenty of options in midfield. Yeah, as I just mentioned, I, th- I think um, in a few weeks, if Jordan James is still here at the end of the window, I think it'll be him and Gazelle in midfield. I think they're probably the two best ball players. That's what Mowbray wants. I think there'll still be a the occasional match where Sunich plays, where Sunich is needed because Blues are going to have, have less of the ball and need someone running around kicking people. Um, but I, yeah, I, I think Gazelle and James, for their quality and possession, in James's case, the goals he can offer going forward as well, I think they're probably going to edge it in midfield. I think that's the way Mowbray wants his midfielders to play. And yeah, I reckon those two will be a fit a fixture a fixture in the team um when and, they get to going. And you've already said that Stansfield, Miyoshi and Dembele kind of write themselves in uh, mm. straight off, don't you? Which which leaves one more and one more space in attack, uh, which looks like Bakuna's got a stranglehold on that at the moment, as long as he's having his tummy tickled. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um Bakuna, Bakuna though, when, when players return, when George Hall returns, Keshi Anderson gets fitter uh, with more minutes. Tyler Roberts is playing well off the bench. There's a hell of a competition for that for that second place next to next to Stansfield. Um, yeah, lo- lots of options there. Bakuna, we know we know what he is. We spoke about him earlier. We know how he plays. He's he's oh, he's infuriating at times. I get angry thinking about watching him sometimes for the things he does. Um, but he is he is an absolute world beater as well on his day. So he's got it. He's got so much in his locker that managers want to work with him. Um, and Mowbray clearly wants to work with him and wants to persist and get the best out of him. Um, I really hope I really hope that Bakuna can find some. Consistency. I say that having just said that he has got more goal contributions than any other Blues player this season. So he's obviously doing something right, given that he plays a lot of his football deep midfield as well. He's um, not consistent in the same minute, though, is he? You know, he's inconsistent, <laughs> like literally in the same passage of play. Yeah. Uh, um, so, so yeah. To answer Adam's question, we're probably verging on eight. 
maybe nine players being set in stone there. Yeah, I think Bakuna's there at the moment, isn't he? Um, yeah. yeah, just the, the right back position's the one, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, brings us on to Tony Hawes's um, question. Um, are there any keepers that are being suggested for the summer? Uh, I've not heard any keepers' names yet of you. No, I haven't. I've, there was that. There was that young lad who plays. Uh, he's oh, I've forgotten his name. He plays for Brighton. He's on loan at Oxford. Now he's gone to Sheffield Wednesday on loan for the second half of the season. Mm. He was linked with Blues, wasn't he? As a ball playing goalkeeper, only very young, nineteen. Um, but no, apart from that, I've not seen any goalkeepers linked, and I've not heard any names. My um, understanding was that Blues had kind of persist with the goalkeepers they had till the summer and uh, address the situation then when both John Ruddy and Neil Etheridge are out of contracts. If someone came in for Etheridge and offered Blues an escape from his contract in the final 10 days of this window or so, I, I suspect they'd take it, but I'm not sure that's going to happen. Yeah, indeed. Which brings and other part of Tony's question is um, what are your thoughts on any of the players out of the contract come the summer possibly offered a new deal at lesser terms, of course, lesser terms being absolutely the, the key part of that. Um Tony, you've you've kind of preempted um, an addition that Alex and I were, were an episode that we were going, going to do regarding the nine out of contract players. Um, so what? So there's Scott Hogan, Lucas Dukovic, Ivan Sunich, Neil Etheridge, Gary Gardner, Mark Roberts, um, Kevin Long with an option, Keshi Anderson with an option, and John Ruddy. Has uh, Mark Roberts got an option as well? I there? think there is one on that yeah, yeah as well. Yeah. So just pick one of those names, Alex, and, and, and give me a yay or an A or any observations about any one of those nine names. I would be looking to keep John Ruddy. Um, he's the one I'd go with out of those. Um, and there's a case for a few of them, but Ruddy for me, uh, he's played every league game this season. I think he's actually... Um, I think he's done okay. There were moments under Rooney where he played poorly. I think he'll accept that he made some mistakes. Think back to Blackburn Rovers. I thought he was quite poor in that game. And there were a few others against Rotherham. He was fairly roping. Somehow managed to keep a clean sheet. Um, Had a lot of problems playing out from the back the way Rooney wanted. He's not had any issues under Mowbray. And Blues have still played at the back sometimes. Mm -hmm. Um, The pass to Cody Dramay in the build-up to Stansfield's goal against Stoke was really good as well, showed his vision. Um, I think Rudy's a very a solid goalkeeper at this level. If you can get him on a you know reasonable contract, which I presume he's on because he arrived only in 2021, um, then I'd be looking to keep him, whether it's his first-choice goalkeeper or his second-choice goalkeeper or as you know, two goal, one of two goalkeepers who compete for the number one spot. Um, I'd be looking to keep him because also he's an excellent personality and character around a dressing room as well. Mm. The one name I'd pick out from there, as I said, we'll discuss all the others at length, um, probably after the transfer window, but Kevin Long with an option, I'd be looking to keep Kevin Long as well. Not He's lightly raced, spent many seasons out, out of the back of the Burnley team, not playing a lot of football. And uh, whilst Mowbray's not starting him, he recognises a horse for, for a particular course, doesn't he? Where, you know, when the ball's coming into the box and it's there to be headed away. Um, I think Kevin Long still, you know, still still something to offer Blues in, in the right situation. So, yeah, that's that's where I'd go with that one. Yeah, to be fair, I think Long's worth a shout as well. Um, but yeah, without without wanting to go on to that, uh, that later podcast we've got planned, any more depth, um, I think we can... Cut it there, Brian. Um, you go long, I'll go ruddy. Yeah, indeed, which uh, brings the curtain down on today's episode. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Remember, 
please uh, subscribe to to whatever your chosen platform is, um, YouTube or Spotify, and you won't miss any of our future episodes. It's uh, it's a keep right on from me and a keep right on from him. Thanks a lot.